Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Everybody, let's go ahead and dive into this today. I am so happy that you are with us. Whether you're watching online or you're here in person, we're so great that, grateful that you uh, have decided to come and, and join with us in worship. Uh, and, uh, you know, I am very, very excited about this next season um, here at New Life and what's, ha- what's taking place in our culture, in our world, things that are shifting, things that are taking place. And we're going to uh, begin a new series right now called Here for Life. Here for Life. I, I was originally going to be, uh, we're going to be talking about what we're here for in life, and we're going to be talking about church, we're going to talk about ourselves, we're going to talk about our families, we're going to talk about our community um, over the next four weeks, um, and uh, I'm excited to see what God's going to do in our lives, but this morning I was getting ready, and I was kind of going over this Here for Life title and the things that were going on, and I realized that there's kind of four, you can read this title in four different ways. You can say, I am here for life. I'm here to bring life. I am a bringer. I bring life to every situation and circumstance. You can say, I'm here for life. I need life. Sometimes we need life. We need to come and get refreshed. Somebody says, I can be here for life because I'm committed for life in the good times and the bad times. And the last person can say, I'm here for life as in it's a life sentence. And I feel like in different areas of our lives, we can be in all four of those categories in different parts. Maybe you look at life and go, hey, I come to church because I need life. I need to get life. And maybe it's in, your, uh, in yourself. You look at it and you're like, this is as good as it's going to get. I'm here for life. Maybe it's one of those things where you bring life to your family. Maybe you need life from your family. Whatever it may be. But here's the thing that I think that God is going to be doing in the next four weeks here. Is that he's going to be speaking to us in one big thing. And that is this. Is that you are called to bring life and receive life. In all areas of your life, you are called to bring life. Breathe it into it. Make life happen. And also eat from it too. How many of you understand that God wants us to have a fruitful life? I didn't say fruitful in the sense that we're driving Mercedes Benz and that we have 8,000 square foot mansions. I'm saying fruitful that whatever he calls you to do, that you win. Does anybody believe that today? That you're here for life. That this is something that you're here to do. And so today we're going to be talking about our church service. I think it's so funny that Heidi talked about culture and the things that God's going to be doing. And she's not in here right now, but she made a horrible mistake by showing us what she can do. So uh, I'm excited to see her on a regular schedule now. Um, and uh, seeing as I can control that schedule. And, um, hey, Heidi, if you don't want to do it, just disagree. Oh, she didn't disagree. Um, so, uh, yeah, silence is agreement. Um, so, yeah, we're excited to see. We are here for life. We are here to bring life. I'm here. Come on, somebody. I'm here. I come on Sundays to bring life, and I come on Sundays to receive life. Sowing and reaping isn't just about finances. You are called to sow life and to reap life. Eat from it. In the New Testament and the Old Testament, both the, the, the Spirit of God is seen in a metaphor, and the metaphor that he uses a lot of times is water. God uses the natural things to come alongside and speak to us in the Spirit. 
Are you with me? He uses the idea of being born again, and Nicodemus gets totally thrown off. He's using this idea of a new birth, a new life. And, 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 and when we're talking about the Spirit, God uses this idea of water and how the Spirit is like water. But there's four different types that he uses, and we're going to talk about that because I believe as a church body, we are supposed to be flowing with his, with his ways and his things. So if you have your Bible, open up to Isaiah chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. If you don't have a, a phone or a Bible, it'll be on the screen above my head. Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you are angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yahweh the Lord is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, somebody say therefore. Therefore, with joy, you will draw waters from the wells of salvation. This is the very first thing that we look at right now. How many of you understand? We all come to Christ to draw water from who He is. That's where we all start. Every single one of us come to Christ because we were dead and barren and darkness inside. But because of who he is and what he gave us, we have the opportunity to become alive again and spring forth this idea of salvation. And I love what Isaiah says, the joy that comes with it. Are you joyful about your salvation? No. Okay. I'm joyful about my salvation because God knows I needed it. <laughs> God knows that everything that's going on that is something huge in my life, God has been there. And this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, in 2 Corinthians 4, it says this, Therefore, since we have this ministry, we have received mercy. We do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God with deceitfulness, but with manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. There is a darkness that was in your life. How many of you know that before you were saved, you were walking in darkness even though God was everywhere? He didn't just magically appear and surprise you. He was always there. But we had these blinders on living in utter darkness. This is the same idea we see in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And what? Darkness covered the face of the deep. You were void. Uh, you, you, no, you, you, were, you were void. You had no light. It was just darkness. But it says that the Spirit of God began to hover over the waters. Come on, somebody. And he said what? Let there be light. You did not, hear me out, choose him, he chose you. He dug a well and looked at you and said, come drink. And you responded. That is the premise of every reason why we are in this place right now, because Jesus called us out of darkness and led us into light. He looked at you and your faultness and your issues and your shame and your guilt and turned on the spotlight to say, come on, 
Are you thirsty? Are you dying? Are you barren? Come see me, and there's life. We all start with life. In Isaiah, let's go back to 55. I love verse 1. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He says this in verse 10, For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to either. So shall, hear me out, so shall my word go from my mouth, and it will not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please. God is pouring out from his will on your life. And it is meant to take the seed of the word and grow something from it. It's supposed to produce something. That's the big difference between when we look at the, the, the growth that takes place with a more vegetation that takes place, and it grows bigger, and it grows greater, it demands more water, it, create, it releases in the atmosphere, clouds are formed, precipitation is, is, is risen, and then more rain comes, and what happens? More things grow. And then what happens? More rain comes. That's the big difference between you look at the barren deserts of North Korea where they deforest everything. And they, they used to have these big, huge forests. Now they took out all the trees. And when they did all that, the rain stops. But then you see South America and Brazil and how it's just this utter rainforest that constantly takes place. And the more trees and the more grass. And it constantly, it constantly, it constantly. How many understand that's what God is wanting to do in your life? He wants to send his word, plant a seed, grow something out of it, eat from it, and send it back down. It's a water cycle that is meant to take place in your life. But that's not it. I felt like a telemarketer right now, but there's more. How many? Come on, somebody, say there's more. Salvation is the beginning step, not the end all. Salvation is where we come to drink from the well, but he never intended you to stop there. He intended for you to be a river. John, open up to John, John 7. Oh, Holy Spirit, we just thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you are speaking to us today. And all these things that you're wanting to do through us and in us, in John 37, Jesus says this, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38 says, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly flows rivers of living waters. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not given yet because Jesus was not glorified. Notice, John used a difference there. Jesus says that out of your bellies, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. John clarifies it and says it's not yet because Jesus was not glorified yet and had not yet sent the Holy Spirit. Which tells us this big thing, you ready? It's not just about receiving Christ as the Lord. The rivers come from part two. The rivers come from 
the Holy Spirit. This is where theologically we say there's a difference between an indwelling and an infilling. When you received Christ, the indwelling of his spirit, of who he is, your salvation was complete and full. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. You are going to heaven, and you're going to the same heaven as a Billy Graham, even though you may be struggling through every area of life. There's not levels. You don't skid in. There's not a fence that somebody's cut a hole through and, you know, let you slide through. No. You have Christ. And this is where people have a hard time. How can I have all of him but still need more? That doesn't make sense to a lot of people. So let me do my best to butcher this idea with an analogy. Uh, we'll use Iron Con. How long have you been married? 80, 82 years. 82 years. Man, that's impressive. 36 years. 36 years. They've been married for 36 years. When you got married 36 years ago, she was your wife, but only in part, right? No, she was your wife in completion. But after the last 36 years, do you know more about her now than you did when you got married? He's shaking his head very wise. Yes, I did. Here's the thing. He, had, he, he didn't remarry her. He had the completion of the marriage, but through the years, there were new experiences of who she was, and he got to understand her better over the last 36 years. You received all of Christ, however, there is more. And this is where the infilling of the Holy Spirit comes in. In Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 4, and uh, yeah, we'll go with Acts chapter 4. There's, there is a, this idea of Peter in Acts chapter 4 that is just mind-boggling because Peter was just not the best, and I can relate. Peter in, in, in Acts chapter 4 gets arrested, and he's doing his thing because he's arrested because he's preaching the gospel. He's preaching the gospel. He's laying hands on the sick. They're getting recovered. He's doing his thing. And I love this passage here. Um, and, and we'll start off in verse, verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Ananias, the high priest, and Sapphira, John, and Alexander, and as many were of the family of the high priest, were gathered at Jerusalem. Verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or what name have you done this? Notice what happens. Verse 8, key part. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of people, if we being called into account for today for an act of kindness shown to a, layman who, to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, and that stand, and this man stands before you healed. Notice this. Jesus, the stone which the builders rejected, has become the chief cornerstone. Peter begins going through this whole breakdown because he was filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is not just being able to speak in other tongues. You have not arrived because you pray in tongues. 
In fact, the Bible says it is an evidence, not the evidence. You want to see what the fruit of the Spirit life looks like. It's a lot more than praying in tongues. And what Peter was doing was operating because he was filled with the Spirit. And they look at him and say, this is an unlearned and uneducated man. But, I think it's in verse, oh, where is it at? Hold on a second. They're verse 13. And then when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Being filled with the Spirit is something that takes place in our lives. It's something that we ask for. It's something that we seek after. It's something that we search for. And we look for it because we are desperate for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not something that you have to beg for. It's not something that you have to have a solid two weeks of no sin. Make sure. There's no, there's no frequent stamp card. You went to church 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Here's the Holy Spirit and you receive it. That's not what takes place. What Jesus wanted you to do was to drink of his well and be filled with the Spirit, which creates a river flowing out. Notice the difference. A well which is contained, creating a river which should not be contained. Because a river pours out on the surface. A well digs from deep. There are more there, uh, uh, there is more underground well, uh, fresh water on the North American continent than there is above the ground. Think about the Great Lakes. There is more under the surface than there is on top. And right now in your life and in my life, Jesus has been a well that has been dug since the foundation of the earth, waiting for somebody to drink. And as they drink, they should become a river. And we're going to talk about this, and we're going to give opportunities, I think next week or the week after, for people to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. Make sure you are here, somebody is here, it's going to be crazy, and I believe that heaven is going to fall. We're going to do this together. But God is intending for you to be filled, filled to overflowing with who He is and in His Spirit. He is seen as a well. The Spirit fills you and is seen as a river. The next thing that we see is in Zechariah chapter 10. The first two are about you. The last two are about we. God never intended for you to have a private river. That's called a lazy river. He's not intending for you to float around all by your lonesome, cruising around. No, he wants a river to spill out. Because a river is intended to create vegetation away from its original source. Think about that. The source may be the mountain, but miles down the mountain, down the river, vegetation has taken place. And God is intending for you to pour out wherever you are. In Zechariah, I guess I should get there. Chapter 10 says this, Ask the Lord for the rain in the time of the latter rain. 
The Lord will make flashing clouds and he will give the showers of rain, grass in the fields for everyone. The idea here is that we have this assignment from God to ask for his rain. Ask for his rain. Here's the thing. We don't like to ask for God's rain. This is not reigning as a king, but this is talking about clouds being formed and rain dropping. In this culture, rain showing up was a sign of what? Blessing and prosperity. They needed it just to survive. In our culture, rain is seen as an inconvenience. It ruined my plans. I was going to go on the boat. I was going to go hunting. I was going to play golf. I was going to go out and about. And now we find ourselves sheltering from the rain, wishing it would go away so we can run to our cars. And Zechariah says this, pray for the rain. Ask for it to come. You want this rain. It's a refreshing rain. It is something that should take place. And today's church, and this is the, the, the thing that the Pentecostal church has let go of, is we stopped asking for rain and start asking for strategies. We stopped looking for the messiness of his reign and started asking, hmm, I wonder what I can control that doesn't upset people. Because rain is meant to cause a mess. And this is where I find myself as a, geez, I, I think I'm still a millennial, I'm not quite sure, watching my generation take over is that we've stopped seeking for God's revival rains to pour on our lands and began looking for ways that we could become Christian TED Talks and hopefully we could get you to give us a little extra money so we could have a better television camera. So we could get more popular, so we could get more likes, so that everyone would like me more and then I could sell a book and then I could be popular. No. Our role is to cry out for rain. The rain of who he is. The rain of his presence. But can I tell you something? A lot of times people have had this idea that there is a rain, then there's a drought, and then there's a rain. Mm -mm. No. God is wanting you to have an experience of refreshing on a regular basis in his church. And what's taking place is that we have to cry out for rain. We, as a church body, as individuals who have drank from the well, who have a river pouring out, go, hey, God, we need rain. We want more. We want more. We want more. Can I tell you, we should always crave for more. And as our river is flowing out, and the sun hits the river, and precipitation goes up, and it builds clouds, the rain falls. But it's hard for us to experience rain when we're constantly damming up our own river. Or, God, I want rain as long as it's between the time of 10.30 and 10.45. And the way that I expect this rain to fall is that one person will raise their hands and then there will be an altar call that's not crazy. No one shouts. And somebody will have everyone's heads bowed, everyone's eyes closed. Somebody will quickly just, I want the Jesus. And then no one's ever saying anything. 
And then we just move on to the next part. I'm tired of that. I'm looking, and I believe that new life, as a church body, and I'm speaking to this both prophetically and and at the same time very naturally, our culture is supposed to be a rain-seeking culture. It's a messy culture. It doesn't mean that everything is done out of order. It doesn't mean that everything's got to be chaotic. But what we do look at it and go, God, let your rainfall however you want it to be done. But continual rainfall is not the goal. That's not the end all. Because rainfall is supposed to be meant to rush in, to nourish, but it was not meant to be an everyday event. Can I tell you, if we have one of those crazy old school revival events every single day and everyone's passed out, that's unsustainable. That's not what God is wanting every week to be like. But can I tell you every once in a while, it'd be fantastic. Every once in a while, having his rain drop, and it'd be something that we go, I can't explain it. Come on, Pastor Pete, try to show a scripture in verse. I'm going to go, yeah, I've got no idea. But my spirit recognizes that it's God. And your spirit recognizes that it's God. I can't explain it, but it's rain. That's what I'm crying out for. But then it's supposed to progress. Heidi talked about maturity and cultural shifts. And can I tell you, rain every single day creates floods. God doesn't want to bring destruction in your life. And this is where we go back. This is before the fall, and we see this, that the original intent was that, that God would create these agricultural uh, springs that would create a mist across the land and water. In fact, Psalm 30, 133, if you have your Bible, 133. This is a song of David. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. This unity, hear me out, it's like oil on the, be- on the head running on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending from the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is what should take place. As we've come together to bring life and to receive life, there should be this tangible presence of heaviness that comes in. The Bible talks about the weight of His glory. You ever experienced that before? Nothing crazy is taking place, but there's peace, there's joy. God's speaking, God is moving, and this is what should be taking place on a semi-regular basis, if not regular basis, not only in our church services, but in your life. But this is where it happens. Oh, how good and pleasant it is when the brothers dwell together in unity. And this is what takes place at New Life and it's going to be taking place as we dig out these wells, as we hunt after the rain, we are going to be finding ourselves, pulling ourselves together in unity, seeking this thing out. We're not seeking out just a 
a three points in a poem, or I don't want to hear Pastor Pete be funny, or I don't want to hear Pastor... I'm seeking and I'm bringing something to the table because I'm wanting the heaviness of His glory because we're tired of doing church the same old, same old. As we come together, this is the idea, is that we bring and we receive. When our rivers come together... Man, the, God, the, the power of God flows. And through that, things will take place. You want to know what that looks like, you should read 1 Corinthians 13, 12, 13, and 14. God is wanting to do something big in your life. He wants to have something big happen in your life. Come on. He wants something big to happen in your life, EJ. Lauren, he wants to move in your life. Bob, he wants to move in your life. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you are operating in exactly the way he wants to happen, what happens is that we, as individual giftings, come together to make a body, to make a body of Christ that he walks in and says, there it is. I'm looking for a church that's going to be crying out for a move of God, even if we can't understand it. I'm looking for a group of people that can say, I want God to move whether it's with the rain or the mist. Whether we have knockout, dragout services and people are crawling all over the altars or whether we're seeing experiences where a word is given and lives are changed. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter, God. Rain or mist, we're wanting a move from God. And what we're seeking for, both with rain and with mist, is it's not something that I created. I'm not looking for a church with a water hose that I can pull the button and you get a little bit, and you get a little bit, and I'm controlling the flow. No, 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 no. We got to seek the presence of God where he is in utter control. Can I tell you, that's a messy situation because that means we have to let go of control, EJ. That means that we have to go before God and say, it's your will, God, even if I don't understand it, but I'm going to follow with your spirit. I'm going to pray in the spirit. Can I tell you, praying in the Spirit is not praying in tongues. Everything you do in life should be done in the Spirit. There's a difference because Paul says, I pray with tongues, but I do everything in the Spirit. You can pray in your natural English language, Spanish language, French language, whatever it is, and be praying in the Spirit. You're praying from the Spirit out what's taking place. And then there are these moments where we don't understand what's taking place, but we're going to be praying with the Spirit in tongues and other tongues. In everything we do, we're seeking after a move. Seek after that move. I'm here for life. I'm here at new life because I want to bring life and because I want to be filled with life. I don't want to just do church on a normal basis, but I want to have an encounter with God. I want to see him move. I want to see signs. I want to see wonders. I want to see pro- hear prophecy. I want to see crazy things take place, and I want to see logical things take place. I want the things that I have no idea how to explain and the things with three points that I can walk through and make practical application in my life. I want it all. And can I tell you, God doesn't want you to have to choose. Do you want to be able to use this on a Tuesday, or do you want to have a crazy encounter? No. That's not what he wants. It's not an if or, it's a yes and. And that's what we come together for on a regular basis, is for life. 
we bring and we receive. How do I bring life? Let me explain how you bring life. Is on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you seek his will for your life. And you constantly pray, God, I want, you to, I want to be filled with your spirit today. I want, to, I want to walk in your way. You're communicating with him in your car. God, move in our church. Move on pastor. Move in our worship. Move when we show up at the altars. Move in the, in, in the parking lot. Move at my, at my office. Come on, expand that river. Move at my house. Move with my friends. Move with my small group. God, I'm looking for you to do. That's what you do. You begin to, as Paul says, stir yourself up. Stir that spring up. Lift up that river and say, God, I want more. I'm not just praying for my meals. I'm not just saying, God bless this food in Jesus' name. Amen. I prayed today. I'm seeking. The Bible says hunger and thirst after him. His righteousness. Seek after it. Do whatever it takes. In between, sir, in between offering and, and, and the worship, I walked in the back and I looked at EJ, EJ and I said, I am starving. She said, you didn't eat? I'm like, no, I didn't. So what I did is I went for a hunt. I went to see if there were donuts. And there were none. So I started opening cabinets. You know what I found? Expired peanut butter crackers. And you know what I did? I ate them. I pulled a Marsha Kova. It's only two months old. It's not that bad. It's still sealed. Those are just suggestions. So mom will say, it's just a gimmick. They don't expire. I'm like, I, I think they do. <laughs> he understands what I'm talking about. I'm like, Mom, that cheese has mold. Just cut that corner off. I'm like, no. No, <laughs> no. I'm not doing that. Yeah, when you try to give it to the dog and he goes, and runs away, I shouldn't eat that too. No. Cool. Yeah, go to the next slice of bread. Next slice of bread, Mom, there's mold. Ah, oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's why you have a knife, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm searching. I'm hungry. So I'm willing to eat whatever is there. I think a lot of times we haven't found ourselves starving because we will look at our food and go, I'll wait for the next meal. I've got next week. We walk up to the line and go, what's on the menu today at church? Who's preaching? What are they going to talk about? What are the songs that we're going to be singing? Meh, I'll pass. I'll pass. Good try. I'll wait. My kids do that. We'll go get food. Go to a restaurant. McKenna, she'll order something. Look at it and go, I'll have ramen noodles when I get home. I'm like, what do you... No, you're going to eat your food. And this is what happens in our church is that we, we see people have been living a life that goes, I'm not starving because I can get it whenever I want it. And that's the difference between a bringer and just a taker. Because a bringer will push something to take place. They bring something. They have a vested interest into something. 
You notice that when we were doing family days, people who brought food stayed because they brought something. They put their heart, their soul into something, and they lingered and they participated because they were a bringer. But they also ate from other people's food also. And this is how it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to bring something. I bring the Spirit. I bring my testimony. I bring the goodness of God. I bring my passion. I bring my song, whether it's good or not. I bring my dance, whether it's good or not. I bring whatever it is that I have, my joy and my happiness of my salvation. If that's all I've got, I'm bringing that. And I'm going to communicate with you, and you're going to tell me what God's doing in your life. I'm going to hear what God's doing in the church, and I'm going to eat from that, and I'm going to bring. I'm going to eat, and I'm going to bring. What I'm not doing is I'm not going to sit there and go, nah, pastor, I don't like it. I'm not going to walk the, the family day bar and go, hey, kids, let's just go to Pizza Hut. They don't have what I like. A church that is bringing something is a church that eats together. And when we eat together, God moves in our life. Notice what would take place in Acts chapter 1 that led to Acts chapter 2. They daily commute together, breaking bread and sharing. Sharing what they had. Sharing who they were. Sharing it with their lives together. And then God moved. Because when brother and sister dwell together in unity the dew falls. But when we have islands, come on, when it's about me, myself, and I, and I don't care about you, I'm just here for me, we wonder why God's not falling. So here's your mission this week. Monday, today, all the way through next Sunday, your role is to be praying for two things. God, I want a move of your spirit in my life, and I want a move of your spirit in our church. Two things. I want a move of, you can write them down. I, got a, I want a move of your spirit in my life so that I can be a bringer and have a move of your spirit in my church. Come on. I want a move of your spirit in my life so that I can be a bringer and have a move of your spirit in my church. I want to eat from the goodness that is Pastor Allen. And I want, uh, I, I want EJ to eat from what's going on in my life. I want to eat from what's taking place in Bob's life. And I want to produce what's taking into Bill's life. I want to have a body that is joined together where our talents, where our gifts, where our callings are being flourished and being nurtured because we are desperate for God's reign and God's mist to take place in our church. Amen? Who's ready for a move of God? I'm serious. I'm not... I'm not doing this, you know, if you love Jesus, raise your hand. Like, you're really, you're ready for a move of God. Are you ready to surrender what he has? I know I am, and I don't know what that looks like. It makes me nervous. I am a control freak. Believe it or not, I like to be, I like it to look the way that I want it to look. Like, when your kids bring you Legos, and you're like, okay, that looks great, and you fix it for them. Like, I, that's, that's me. That's what I'm doing. But I feel like God's what he wants to do right now is he wants to bring us together because he's wanting to do something. And here's the thing. We trust the Lord with his goodness, hear me out, which is bigger than our understanding. We have faith that he is good even if we don't understand the what. We're willing to receive surprise gifts from him. 
not pre-planned gift cards. I love a good gift card. Anybody wants to buy me a gift, gift cards are great. I hate taking things back. But can I tell you, God is wanting to bring a customized gift for you that you don't know about. That you can't return. He wants to pour something into your life that is very specific for you. It's going to help you. Come on, somebody. It's going to help your marriage. It's going to help your kids. It's going to help the next generation. God is wanting to move into a place in your life and in my life that that river spills out for everyone else to eat from. Are you ready for that today? God, we need you. We need you. Let's go ahead right now. What's taking place with your own lips? Just go ahead and cry out for that move right where you are. God, we need a move of your God. We need a move of your presence in this place. We need a move of your presence in my life. I need a move of your presence in everything that I do. I need a move of, your, of, you, of who you are at my office. I need it in my car. I need it with my kids. I need it with my friends. I need it with my family. I need a move of who you are when it comes to church. God, we are desperate and are crying out for a move of God. God, we know it may not take uh, 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 us begging and pleading, but God, I just think that you are going to begin to move. You're going to begin to move in ways that, with the rain that, that are messy or the, with the rain that doesn't look normal, with rains that we can't explain. And God, I just thank you right now that you're moving with a mist of the weight of your glory, the heaviness of who you are, into a place that's going to be nourishing to the ground, nourishing to the fields, nourishing to the plants, nourishing to the seeds that have been sown for years. God, I just thank you that we're going to see a harvest coming through. That God, this latter rain, this harvest that's going to be stirring up, God, and these last days, God, that we're going to be seeing harvest to come in. We call them in from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west. The souls that will release this sound of the rain, that as they hear the rain falling at new life, God, that they begin to come in. Those who are thirsty, those who are weary, those who have issues, those who are, are, are seeking after you, God, the seekers and the people who are thirsty, God, we call them in and say, come on. We just think that the rain is coming in. It's going to be a signal, Father God, for people to come in, a signal of grace, a signal of mercy, a signal of your goodness, a signal of power, a signal of your presence, a signal of your miracles, your signs, and your wonders, God. God, we just thank you right now that we're going to see a church that is going to be filled with your spirits, not just filled with ideas, but filled with things that we can't explain. God, a church that is going to be filled with prophecy, a church that is going to be filled with gifts of knowledge, a church that is going to be filled with with, with gifts, uh, God, of, of miracles, of faith, of signs, of wonders, God. I just thank you that we're going to see and we're going to hear and we're going to taste of the goodness of God. We're going to see and we're going to hear and we're going to eat from your, from your garden, God. Things that we don't even understand, that there's going to be things that were planted decades ago and we're going to eat of the fruit of that today, God. I'm just calling it out in the name of Jesus that we see and that we hear and we experience who you are who you are in this very year, God. We need it. This year, God, we need a move. This year, God, we need a move. We need revival in our land. We need revival in our churches. We need revival in our hearts. And God, I just thank you that the, 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 the power of prayer is stirring up in this place, God. That prayer is going to begin part of who we are. Not just a thing that we do, but who we are. Men and women of God falling to their knees and praying for a move. Praying for a move. Old school as it may be, God, I just thank you that we are calling it out for the rain. We are asking for the rain to fall in our lives. In your name, amen.
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Cry out this week. Every day. Five minutes, ten minutes, an hour and a half. Cry out for His presence. And I promise, He gives good gifts. He doesn't hold anything back. You want His presence, He sends His presence. And I believe, I, I really truly believe, I, I think it's next week I'll have to, or the week after, that we're going to be having, uh, we're going to give opportunities to be filled with Holy I know some of you are like, let's do it now. No. We're going to be teaching about it because I want you to understand what's taking place. And I believe a filling of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God is going to drop. And we're going to have people that are going to be breaking out, breaking out and having encounters with God. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.